Amen. Well, it's uh, it's an exciting day for us to uh, to be able to to have some baptisms, and uh, more exciting than that is the thing that came before that, and that's some people coming to know Christ as their saviors and as their as their savior. Plural them, singular him. Uh, but we are excited to celebrate this day and glad that family could come and be a part of us as well. Uh, at the gathering place, one of our main, well, I guess really our main goal is to know Christ. It's to make him known as well. And, and by knowing him, we mean uh, John seventeen four says this is eternal life to know the Father, Jesus Christ, his son. So to know him as Savior. So this is the first way that we know uh, know God or Christ is through salvation, but then also to know him progressively as we do life with God. In the same way that we do life with each other, uh, you get to know someone, the more life that you do with them. I know Talitha better than anybody, uh, better than I know anybody, and better than anybody knows Talitha uh, because we've done a lot of life together. We've done kids together. We've done troubles together problems together we've we've gone through some rough patches and worked through that together we've had joys together vacations together so there's there's very little about Talitha that I don't know as a matter of fact I know her better than her parents do and I try to tell them that regularly Uh, I know her well because we've we've done a lot of life together I don't know why it is that we try to separate that from a relationship with God well I do know I think the reason is because somehow we have have confined or tried to confine God to uh, a church building or a list of rules to follow or doctrines to believe or uh, whatever the case, uh, programs or uh, whatever, uh, traditions. We've, we've tried to limit God or confine God to that, not intentionally, but that's what we've done in the church. And so at the gathering place, we've been, you know, we, we are trying not to do that. What we're trying to do is focus on the fact that we can also continue to come to know God through experiences with him as we walk through life. And specifically, it's through abiding. Uh, I'll read a passage here in a minute that kind of identifies that. Uh, But abiding is simply this. It's obeying God. It's not complicated. John talks about abiding. He's the only one uh, of the the, uh, gospel writers or New Testament writers that even talks about abiding or uses that term. But when he talks about abiding, he basically says this. He says abiding is obeying God's commandments. That's it. Now, that seems simple. But the, the complicated part about that is that there's, uh, first of all, we have to understand what his will is in order to obey him. And, it, and since it's active and we're walking with God through life and, and it's experiences that we have with God, it's much the same way that it was with the disciples. When Jesus was walking with the disciples, he would, he would uh, they blow their minds through some of the things that he told them to do. Uh, and sometimes uh, it, would, it would also blow the minds of the religious rulers uh, those people that were the most religious in his day because uh, he would tell them to do things that didn't fit their rules and regulations. Now, they absolutely fit God's law and God's commands, but it didn't fit the rules and regulations of religion. And so the same thing is true also today. We have, all of us, to some degree, probably in this building, have walked in religion, and that being the focus uh, and we've just kind of gone through traditions and stages where we never do really have interaction with God, where we're, we're listening for God's voice to guide us also and to blow our minds about some of the things that we have believed all of our lives. And by the way, he still does that. And he's blown my mind. He's blown the mind of a lot of people in this congregation as we've walked with him through life. 
And so we're, we're, the other thing that we're about is coming to know God progressively as we obey him and he reveals himself to us in the same way that he did in the Old Testament. He always has done throughout the Bible. When, when Daniel uh, obeyed God and, and refused to bow uh, to what the kings uh, commanded him to do, uh, he was thrown in the fire into the... I got him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego together. But pick your, pick your person, all of those, uh, refused to do... Uh, what the the evil kings wanted them to do. Instead, they obeyed what God said. When they got into the fire, or when he got into the lion's den, they came to know God in a very specific way. They came to know God as more powerful than than lions and kings, and more powerful than fire, even though it was heated uh, incredibly hotter, and so hot that it killed uh, all those that threw him in. And not only did were they not burned, they didn't even smell, but there was one in the fire with them. And that was one that looked like the Son of God. So God was with them. And, and they learned about God through experience. And pick your story in the Old Testament. Pick your story in the New Testament uh, of, of disciples of God, our disciples of Christ, who are following what he told them to do and how God revealed himself to them. So God wants to reveal himself continually uh, to us. And, with, and that's what we're about at the gathering places, abiding in Christ, Uh, particularly in his Holy Spirit, as he speaks to us through his word, through other believers, through circumstances, uh, all of it consistent with and never in contradiction to his word. But as he speaks to us and we walk in what he says, God continually reveals himself to us. Now, I know intellectually, for instance, that God is my provider. I always have known that. The Bible says that. In fact, the Bible says don't worry. Uh, It says what what does worry add to anything? God provides for the birds. He'll provide for you. Um, I've heard that all my life. I know that intellectually, but I didn't really know it experientially until God told me to do something with my money that didn't that meant I wasn't going to have uh, my life taken care of or my bills taken care of or at least visibly taken care of. And I had to depend on God, and he, he came through, and he came through in major ways, numerous times for me into life, as God would call us to do things that were crazy in regard to our finances, but then God would provide. So now we know. We know that God is our provider. We, we've watched him do it with us as a, as a body, as we've obeyed what God's told us to do and how he has provided for us financially. Uh, so I know him as provider by experience because I obeyed what he said in the area of my finances. So wherever you are today, take that and plug it into any other area of life. Plug it into the way you raise your kids. Plug it into the way you treat your spouses and your, your friends and how you deal with relationships and problems that come in your life. Are you asking God to reveal truth to you about that situation and how to respond in that situation? I know that, that circumstances sometimes can be overwhelming, and it blows our minds sometimes to think that uh, it's hard for us to focus on what God wants us to hear or to know in a circumstance because it seems so impossible that God could come through. But that is exactly the kind of experiences that God orchestrates for us so that we can walk into those and have to depend on him and so he can show up and do God-exclusive activity and reveal who he is. So wherever you are today, I want you to know that's, that's, that's the way we function. Now, why did I say all that? For a lot of reasons. First of all, a lot of folks here don't know what we're about. And some people that are very close to you are about to be baptized uh, into this congregation who are saying, I belong. I belong to him, and I belong with them. Uh, they're making that commitment today by, by, through their baptism. And so as they do that, I want you to know what this body believes. I want you to know what we're about, and we are all about Jesus Christ. That's it. A very simple gospel. 
Now, the other reason is because we're going to talk about it today. And, and today, particularly, as I was preparing for the message, this has happened for a number of Sundays. Uh, our congregation knows this because I've, I've shared it. But today, I, I'm going to see if I can pull it up on my phone. We were having our prayer time prior to uh, worship rehearsal this morning. And uh, I, I just got to give you this word. Well, I'll give it to you in just a second. I'm going to give it to you in context of the, of the verses that we're talking about. What we've been talking about uh, over the last few Sundays is Second uh, Timothy. We're going through Second Timothy. And basically, this is a reminder from Paul at the close of Timothy's life, or close of Paul's life, rather, to Timothy. He's giving his ministry away. He's thinking to himself, I'm sure what I would be thinking if my life was about to end, and I'm thinking about the people that I poured into, and I think about the lives that, uh, that I've watched God transform and how I'd want to give them some last nuggets of information, and I'd also want that ministry to continue. And so I'm sure he was thinking about Timothy and thinking, man, what can I tell him? What does he need to remember as I have these last, this last letter to write to him? And so he tells him a number of things. First of all, we talked about how he, he reminded him of his heritage. Timothy, don't forget all that I've poured into you. Uh, don't forget that all that you've heard me say in front of many witnesses. Don't forget those things. Uh, don't forget what you heard from your, your mother Lois and your, gran- or your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, or vice versa, I can't remember. Don't forget what you heard from your family, that heritage of the scriptures that you were raised up in. Hold on to that stuff. Uh, don't forget your heritage, and, and we talked about that. We need to remember our heritage. But Paul also told Timothy, he said, listen, people are going to come against you. And particularly in Ephesus, where Timothy was, he was talking about false teachers who would be coming to him and doing, guess what? Adding religion to the simplicity of the gospel. Trying to say there's some other rules you need to follow. Don't forget, you need to follow these rules. You got to still be circumcised. You still got to follow the feasts and the festivals and all that stuff. It's okay if you believe that Jesus is a Messiah, but don't forget, there's a bunch of other things you need to be doing. And Paul said, Timothy, don't do it. You're going to face opposition. This is what I want you to do. I want you to stand in the face of that opposition. I want you to, to rebuke those who are teaching wrong, and I want you to tell the people not to listen. Now, if you're not familiar with this passage, go read it. First and Second Timothy, great, great teaching for us as a church. It's hard to just be about Jesus. And he said, when you, when you are just about Jesus, what's going to happen is people are going to come against you and try and add rules and regulations and traditions and legalism and all this other kind of stuff on top of Christ. And Paul said, don't, don't listen to it. And, and actually, when you face that opposition, don't get mad about it. He said, what you need to do is remember what Christ did for you. Remember that it's enough. That you are, all the stuff we were singing about this morning was so beautiful. Uh, man, it's just, it's, remember who he is and what he's done. And that, that will sustain you in the face of opposition. Who cares what man thinks if God has already accepted me, Right? Who cares whether or not I'm following somebody else's rules if I'm following what God's telling me to do? So it's enough. So hold on to that and, and remember that. So he, so he said, not only remember your heritage, but remember the gospel message. Preach it to yourself over and over again, the simplicity of the gospel. And then last week, uh, he said, also remember your responsibility to keep this ministry going. Timothy, I'm about to die, and I need you to... to to pass this on to faithful men who will then pass it on to others. 
And so last week, we, we, in our live groups, uh, we digested this with only a couple of questions that we tried to answer in regard to what the, what the Lord said last Sunday. And that is, what, what do we need to do with what God's given us as a church? Uh, today, as we were praying, I challenged the, the, the people that were in the circle uh, praying together. We read, a, we read this passage that I'm about to, well, I guess I'm not going to read it. Sorry, you know, this is the way we roll. Here it is. Verse, uh, chapter 46 of Psalm, this is what he says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in, in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, uh, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms melt, the kingdoms uh, totter. His, he utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth how, and how he's made wars to cease on the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When we read that this morning, I just thought how much that fits in exactly what we're talking about. If we understand that God is our fortress, that he's the one that makes wars happen, he brings troubles, and then he brings the solutions to the problems. Now, God does all of it. When we recognize that, then, then, then it allows us to be still and just know. And if you have that confidence, then when troubles come, it doesn't throw you. When someone accuses you, instead you treat them uh, with power and love and a sound mind or a controlled temper. It doesn't matter what people do to you. And so last week we talked about that. That's where that verse fell in, the second point. Now, third point was that we have a responsibility to pass this ministry on. The words that God has spoken here in this body, the word that God has for this community, is as excited as you are, church, about what God is doing in your life and how real and personal and relational this is, we have a responsibility to pass it on. So as we talked this morning around the group, we read a passage out of somewhere in the Old Testament. And where was it, Kobe? Where was it? Jeremiah. Out of Jeremiah 23. And, and in that passage, he was talking about how he was going to put shepherds over a remnant of the flock. And I asked the group, I said, where do you see yourself in this, in this story? And, and a couple of them responded and said, you know, we're glad to have a shepherd. And I thought, you know, all right, I'm going to make this application. And, and if you found yourself in that same place, TGP, if you said, well, we're glad to have a shepherd, let me ask you again to do this. You are the shepherd. You're a shepherd. I, I, need to, I need to be able to pass this on to faithful men and women who will from now on see themselves not as sheep but as shepherds in this community, out in the community, spreading the message of Christ, the simplicity of the gospel. You are shepherds. Now, you might not see yourself that way, and it's okay, but, but we need to get there. 
That's a call of God on our lives as a church is to be shepherds in this community. And, and, and you know so much about the Lord, and you need to pass it on. And so that was our word last week. Now, this week, here's the amazing part of how God puts things together, even messages. Every week when we meet uh, for our, our time, we've been doing these random readings out of the Old Testament, New Testament prior to worship. Every week when we read those readings, it has to do with the day's message. It's amazing how God puts things together. And today, this message has everything to do with baptism and with, with communion. It has everything to do with the death of Christ and what he purchased for us and the life that comes in the resurrection of Christ. All of it is right here in the passage. I didn't plan this baptism for today, knowing where I was going to be in the text. Most of you know, I never know where I'm going to be in the text, right? But isn't it amazing how God has put us here? in this moment, to share this together, and it's in our text today. Look at it with me in 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 14. Here's another thing Paul wants Timothy to remember. Very simply, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So the first thing he says here is remember. Now, this is Paul telling Timothy, a guy who has heard him preach all over the place, who has heard him give testimony and preach the the simple gospel and knows his message from, from cover to cover. And he's saying to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Remember his crucifixion. Remember his resurrection. Remember that we died with him. Remember that we live with him. Why would he have to say that to Timothy? Is there any chance that, that, that the church would forget that we're all about the death and resurrection of Christ? I think so. <laughs> Look at what happened in 1 Corinthians. The whole church is being uh, reprimanded by Paul for forgetting what they were supposed to remember. says this in verse 17 of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe, uh, I believe it in part for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not... Uh, the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Here's Jesus saying, remember. In the same way, he took the cup after, after supper, saying, this is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The church took what was instituted, first of all, by Jesus Christ himself, where Jesus changes the whole meaning of the Passover and says that that Passover lamb that we've been celebrating and feasting over uh, for all these years was a representation of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. He changes the meaning. And and that body that, that you killed in order to get that blood of that lamb, that's me. My body is broken for you. One of the most incredible moments that Jesus ever had with his disciples. By the way, it was where he taught them about abiding. And Jesus says, I want you to do this often. And when you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Every time that you do this, do it to remember me. So Jesus said, remember me. Like they would need to remember after this incredible moment with Jesus, right? Uh, This last moment with Jesus and these great teachings that he's giving them, like they would need something to remember him by, but they did. And the church at Corinth forgot. They forgot. They they forgot about his sacrifice. They forgot that that's what it was all about. And they started just doing a bunch of things, and they had feasts still, but they feast all of a sudden became about them. And they ate, but their eating became all about them. And they drank, but they drank until they got drunk, and it was all about them. So I want to just challenge us right here before we move on this morning. Remember. Remember what, what we're about. Remember what, we, what Christ instituted with us. Remember that he gave us his life and the forgiveness of sins. Remember that he washed our sins away. Remember that his body was broken for us. Remember that. We can't forget that. And remember that he rose from the dead and gives us life. That we've inherited his righteousness because he left sin in the grave. And and God's righteousness has been given to us as a free gift. And so God looks at us now as righteous because of what Christ did. Remember that. Don't forget that. We're going to allow our four baptizees uh, today to share communion. And we'll pray for them as they do that this morning. And I just want to challenge those of you that are receiving communion to remember what this is about. It's Christ's blood shed for you. Christ's body broken for you. And you have made a commitment to Christ in regard, in regard to that. And not to be like the church at Corinth and try to be religious, but instead to let your heart be involved in what you do and remember what Christ did for us. At, after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. The church had gotten real pagan, and, uh, you know, they crucified Jesus. And then uh, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and the church, all of a sudden, the hearts come back to life, and the prophecy of Ezekiel comes true. And their hearts of stone were taken out, and they were given a heart of flesh, and he put his spirit in them at Pentecost. Now, we always like to talk about the, the tongues of fire and, the, and Peter standing up and preaching, and everybody hearing in their own language. But you know what? The Holy Spirit didn't stop working after that. 
And that was this, the whole book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's story after story of what happened now that the Holy Spirit was in them. In the Last Supper, Jesus told the disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit will come and you will know because now he is with you and he will be in you. It's going to be me in you. I've been with you, but I'll be in you. And you'll know it when you receive power. And they recognized that. But you know what else they did? Look at Acts chapter 2. Same chapter, just a few verses later, those 3,000 that had just received the Holy Spirit, their lives were radically changed. And what were they doing? 42 to 43 of chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Here's what happened. They got simple again. They just focused on the indwelling spirit of God and doing what the spirit said. And all of a sudden, the church comes back to life, and they're all about remembering. They're eating, breaking bread together. They they, they are sharing the cup and the bread together with the right meaning again. And what happens as a result of that? Awe and wonder, and God was adding to their numbers daily, those who were being saved. They didn't have a program. They didn't have a building. They didn't have a bunch of people. They didn't have a, uh, they, didn't have a uh, you know, they weren't recording their baptisms. They didn't have, you know, four or five meetings a week. They had multiple meetings, and it was, wasn't organized. The Holy Spirit would bring them together, and they were excited about one thing. It was the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It was sins washed away, life-giving blood that had washed their sins away, and the power of the Holy Spirit had indwelled them and given them, given them everything they needed for life. And that changed hearts and lives. Church, listen, at the very beginning of these four peoples, walk with God in this church after their baptism, this, this monumental moment, I want to make sure that we, that we keep the focus the right thing. And that is, it's not about, they're not being baptized because that's the next thing you do. They're being baptized because it symbolizes something that's happening in the heart. It's to remember. It's to remember that Christ washed their sins away. And they're coming out of that to live a new life with Christ in control. The Holy Spirit leading them and guiding them. And it's all they need. And God will guide them and lead them. And powerful things will happen. God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved, and they didn't have a program. They didn't have an outreach program. They didn't have to memorize anything. They were talking about what was going on in their hearts, and it was life-transforming, and that's what's happening here in this body. It changes your life. We need to stay true to that, the simplicity of the gospel. As Paul was praying for the church at Colossae, it's interesting what he prays here about remembering Christ. He says in uh, chapter 1, verses 15 to 22, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continued in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I want to ask our candidates for baptism if you'll come and sit up here in the front. Jared disappear? Okay. Y'all can just sit right there. Sit right there in the front. Gracie. All right. I I want to uh, read this again to you. Uh, and what I want to do as we read it is I want you to, to, to hear what it is, who it is that has saved you. I want you to hear who it is that is going to protect you, guide you, carry you through life. The church is not just for them, but I want them to really hear this this morning. I want you to hear who it is who has always been around, will always be around, is never going to leave you or forsake you, has all the power to control every circumstance and situation in your life. He is the one that loves you and saved you, and you made a good choice by giving your life to him. And, and the reason why he saved you is just because he loves you. It's not because you deserve it. It's not because you're good. He saved you because he loves you. It's who he is. So listen again to, this, to these verses, and you can read them up on the board. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. So he created everything. All things were created through him and for him. He is the reason why those things were created. How can we as the churches get so far away from just focusing on Jesus and how awesome he is and how good he is to us and just responding to his love for us? When everything was created for him, you were recreated for him. It says he is before all things, and in him, in him all things hold together. He's all you need. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. He rose from the dead first, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. It was through Christ that God would reconcile us to himself. All right, we're about to have a picture of that in baptism. You are reconciled to God, brought back together with God through what Christ did for you. And so you know what we're going to do? When we baptize you today, we're gonna, when we put you under the water, we're, that symbolizes the old you being buried with Christ. It's just a symbol. It doesn't wash your sins away. Your sins have already been washed away. But it's a symbol of you being buried with Christ and then raised up to walk with a new person in control of your life. You've been reconciled to God, uh, where his blood has taken care of your sins. 
And so now he says in verse 21, and you who were once alienated, you used to be separated from God because of your sin, but now you've been reconciled or brought back to Christ through the, through the body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy. That God has made you holy uh, through, his, through Christ's death and blameless and above reproach before him. All right, so that's the picture of what's going to happen today. Um, all of what we're doing today are symbols. There's, there's nothing in the grape juice that we're going to drink or this little wafer. Uh, you'll figure out pretty quickly there's nothing in that, right? Uh, there's nothing in those two things uh, that, that have any power to change your life or save you, all right? All this is is a testimony that you giving a testimony, you talking about to other people, or ta- not talking, but showing people through this symbol that your life has been transformed because of what Christ did, that your sins have been forgiven, that you've accepted Christ. When we go up in the baptism, the same thing is true. It's not, again, the water doesn't do anything to wash your sins away or to change you. It's just a picture of what's already happened for you, that your sins have been washed away, and you, you've, you're putting your old man to death, and you've been reconciled to God. And now you have all the power you need to live whatever kind of life God wants you to live. So you have that today. And, and, and in power today, I hope that you'll recognize all of that and never forget that. What Paul was talking to Timothy about was the fact that churches have forgotten that. And the church at Ephesus, were, were, they were forgetting it. And Paul said, remember Jesus. All right. Jesus said, remember me. The Holy Spirit said, remember me. When you eat, there's two things that we do in this church. Two different uh, types of ordinances that we do in order to represent what Christ has done for us. One of those is sharing this meal, and the other is baptism. So we're going to share those together today. All right, as we, uh, as we begin to, uh, before we, we uh, take the Lord's Supper with them, uh, what we're going to do is, is we're going to uh, share this meal together. And uh, I'm going to ask you as a church and as, as guests and family uh, to be praying as they uh, receive communion this morning. And then also, then we'll, then we'll have baptism after that, and we'll have some music going on uh, in between as we get ready for baptism. Uh, so would you all come and uh, just kneel here at the altar? And uh, Kobe, would you come and play for us?